You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. I'm super excited to kick off this new sermon series with you guys this morning, but I know there's some visitors here, so let me first introduce my, myself. My name is Justin, and I serve as the associate pastor here. If you are visiting with us, I trust that you've already been greeted warmly by some of our very kind, loving people, and would love to meet you afterward, too, so thanks for visiting with us. Uh, we are today kicking off an eight-week sermon series that coincides with uh, this new TV series called The Chosen, and I'm so excited about what we're going to do as a church as we watch this together, we talk about it in our small groups, and then on Sundays we teach based on or from the episode. So if you're new or if you've been here for a while but just didn't catch all that, that's actually what we're doing right now. We're encouraging everyone to follow along and watch an episode of The Chosen, and then when you get together in your small groups, what we call Midtown Communities, that'll be a place where you discuss the episode, and then that Sunday morning afterward, we're going to teach based on something that came from that episode. So let me say this to to start, though. If you didn't watch the episode, don't worry. Everything that we say here on Sunday morning is going to be relevant, but at the same time, we'd really encourage you guys uh, to come along with us. Like, this really is, in my opinion, the best cinematic depiction of Jesus and his disciples and the the stories that we hear in the gospel. It's so beautifully done. And if you're like me, you're probably pretty skeptical of Christian stuff, and you're like, oh, it's usually pretty cheesy. This, in my opinion, and everyone else that I've actually talked to, it's completely not. And so really would hope that you guys would join us in this journey. Our real goal for this whole thing, and I think it's already been transformed in my life. I'll tell one story of it here uh, this morning even. The goal of doing this together is we want over this next eight, eight weeks when you're watching personally, when you're talking about it with your friends and in your MCs, when we come to Sunday morning, what our real heart is is that you would get a better understanding of the person of Jesus, that you would see his heart and his love, and it would transform your life. Like, that's what we're aiming for by doing this. That's why we're spending these eight weeks together. Now, no shame, but how many of you watched the first episode, have seen the first episode? Oh, good. So that's probably like 75, 80% of us. So that's great. Well, in the first episode, if you didn't get to watch it, you'll know that this whole thing about Jesus, Jesus doesn't appear until like the last five minutes, right? And so this first episode, you're really just getting the backstories of all these different characters. Primarily, it's Mary, it's Peter, it's Andrew and Matthew and Nicodemus. And so you're getting an insight into the backstories of what could possibly be things that were happening in their lives. Now, when we read the gospel accounts, what we get is we get a lot of facts, and in many cases, when we hear lots of things about people, we get some sense of people's personalities, but one thing we don't often get is is a real in-depth understanding of their backstories. And so that's where they take creative license in The Chosen, and they paint these backstories that really make it come alive and make it really fun and meaningful. And while they don't really contradict Scripture, the backstories themselves just provide possibilities. And what I love about that is that we all have backstories, right? We all have different backstories, every one of us, and no two are alike. For some of us, the privileged uh, among us may have, have, you know, be able to say, you know, you haven't really experienced much pain and suffering in your background. There are some people who have just been raised in a really great place and haven't had some experiences that really shaped or pain that that stuck with them all their lives, where I would guess that a, a vast majority of us would say, you know, we can point to some things back in my backstory that caused tremendous pain at the time, or maybe things that still cause pain or issues to this day. And, and then very tragically, if we're real honest, there's some of us whose backstories are incredibly complex and filled with much pain, even things beyond our understanding. Those are our backstories. And what I think what happens in our backstories is sometimes the pain and the fit that we felt in the past or even in the very present moment, what it does is it can cause us to believe that God has abandoned us, 
You go through something hard, you're tempted to do that, whether it's present or whether it's something in your past, your backstory, you kind of tend to think, God, where are you? You've abandoned me. And particularly in this story, as you follow the story of Mary, you see her with her hope in a God, and then her hope begins to diminish as she goes through all the things that led up to the pain that she's currently experiencing due to her backstory. And so she begins to question the goodness of God, question the presence of God, question the promises of God and the scripture that she was holding on to. You've probably experienced something like that, and it's caused you to say, like, why, God? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why do you have me where I am? Why won't you deliver me? It's one of the things we see time and time again as you read the Psalms, like just this one here from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? It's a common, it's a human experience to grieve over things that we're going through or to reflect back on the pain of our backstory, and it causes grief. So maybe as you watched the episode, maybe you identified some ways with Peter in the episode. Peter and the Chosen, you know, you have a financial crisis, you're always in need of a job, you're over your head in debt, you're unsuccessful at every endeavor, you fear of letting down your family or your wife or not providing, you feel like a total failure. Many of us have, have that in our backstories, don't we? Or maybe you're like Matthew, and part of your backstory is that you are socially awkward, treated strangely by other people, unable to make friends, maybe battling with insecurities, almost to the point where you believe that you're not worthy enough to have any friendships. You might just take the step to be toward a tax collector because everyone hates you already, so why not take another step? We've got painful parts of our backstories that maybe can relate to Matthew, or maybe your experiences like Mary, where you've lost your father or you've not had a father figure. You've been sexually abused or plagued by your own demons and addicted to certain things, made regrettable choices, and no one knows your backstory and tempt you to believe that God has given up on you. Or perhaps like all the stories in the character, all the characters in the story, uh, you're like the Jewish people, the Jewish people in The Chosen who were occupied by Rome. They were slaves in their own land, hopeful for a Messiah to come and rescue them, yet living under their bondage saying probably like the psalmist in Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, have you forgotten me? You see, in the midst of the pain, this is exactly where Jesus enters history, enters history. And it's just like that last powerful scene when he comes to Mary, he touches her and he speaks her name. Much like that, the scene that we're jumping into is Jesus is stepping in to the long-awaited hopes of all the people and a people full of their own different backstories. So when I think about that, what I want to communicate this morning as we reflect on backstories is that these three points, if you want to take notes, one is that we all have backstories. That Second is that we all have current circumstances that, that Jesus wants to redeem. And third, that Jesus has a better future for us. So let's go back real quickly and look back at, at the verses that were read here in John. John chapter 1, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and one of the two heard that John had said and who, who had followed Jesus. That was John the Baptist, what he had heard, what he said. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon, and he'd tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. Then the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip said. 
When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael then declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Here's the first point, that Jesus knows your backstory. Back to verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he says to him, here truly is an Israelite to whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael's first response is, wait, how do you know me? Jesus says, I saw you. I've known you. I've known your backstory. There's kind of some some, uh, guessing as to what was actually happening here. If Jesus was like paying him a compliment when he said, here's an Israelite with no deceit, was it maybe Jesus knew what he said? He knew that he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so maybe he was complimenting him on like his his boldness and just that he'll speak his mind. There's also some people who think that it really wasn't a compliment. It was Jesus was kind of ribbing him a little bit, just kind of giving him a little, talking a little trash like, oh yeah, yeah, here's one where there's no deceit. But he's, Nathaniel, the thing that he knows right away even though whether it was, you know, ribbing or whether he was giving him a compliment, right away Nathaniel interprets it by like, wait a second, he knows what I said, he knows me. And his question, how do you know me? Jesus says, I know you. I know your backstory. I know more about you than you even know about yourself. He knows the backstory. He knows that you were a Jewish man that was captive by Rome and you were waiting for the Messiah. He knows that. He knows that about you. And he says to him, I'm here. I keep my promises. I'm present with you now. In the same way, at the very end of the episode, if you watched it, Jesus approaches Mary outside that bar, and that's all that story's about. He says, Mary, I know your backstory. Your name's not Lily. He says, Mary. If you remember, she had been called Lily throughout the whole episode, but when Jesus approaches her, he calls her by name, Mary. I know you. I know your backstory. I know what's happened to you. I know the trauma of you losing a father. I know how you've been abused and how you've been treated. And I know about that very scripture that you hoped for and held on to but had given up on. I'm going to recite it right now. I know you by name. First time I watched that episode, I, honestly, in that part, I just started crying. <laughs> just really, really crying because I, I was just touched with the heart of Jesus and how he has compassion on someone's backstory, knows them, and calls them by name. At the time, I was actually, uh, it was two summers ago, so summer of uh, 2020, and it happened to be a period of time when I was seeing a counselor on a weekly basis. And one of the things that we were doing, as you often do in counseling, is they have you look back at your past. And there was a particular issue of my past and some things that had been done to me and said to me when I was younger that, it, that I was all of a sudden realizing, oh, wow, this still hurts. There's still something there. And I was going through that process. And that's why when I came to this story and I saw that, I just started crying because I felt like Mary. Like, here's someone who knows my backstory. My counselor was trying to get me to to practice self-compassion, but also to actually understand that Jesus was there with me during those things that had happened to me and that he has compassion on me to this day. And he has compassion on me even if the insecurities that I was having presently were still causing me to act out in sinful ways. He was present then, he's present now, and he has compassion on me. I remember the next meeting that I had with my counselor, I just tried to describe, start describing the episode. I felt it. I felt God's compassion. And I started crying all over again. (laughs) So... That the point is this, in times of pain and suffering, you're tempted to believe that God has abandoned you. He hasn't. He knows you. He's called you by name. He knows you. He knows those of you who've come in from broken homes, who feel fatherless or have been orphaned or ignored or abused in your past. He knows those of you who've been bullied or picked on, teased or made fun of or ignored or ostracized in any way. 
He knows those of you who wrestle with not feeling smart enough or not good looking enough or not athletic enough or don't like the way your body looks. He knows all those things and he has compassion like a father would have compassion on his child. Psalm 103 talks about the father this way. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God is a good father that has compassion on his children. He knows how we are made. He knows that we're just dust. He knows that we're frail. And he knows our backstory. He knows that we live in a broken and a sinful world that has wounded us in all kinds of ways. That's why I love that when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the gospel writers, one of the things that they most commonly refer to Jesus as is they say that he was moved by compassion. Moved by compassion, Jesus would touch someone that you weren't supposed to touch. Moved by compassion, Jesus would heal people. Moved by compassion, Jesus would welcome people to come to him. Moved by compassion, he would talk with people you weren't supposed to talk to. And that's why I think by the grace of God, the words that we can read in Scripture combined with God's... uh, grace that he's given to write a movie like this for a TV series for us to watch, we can get a better sense of God's compassion. That's what Jesus was. He was moved by compassion. The gospel writers constantly referred to him as that, and now you get a glimpse of it, at least I did, in a very personal way. And I hope for you is that as you watch a series and you follow along, that you would get a sense of Jesus' compassion for you, especially as it comes to your backstory. All the people in these stories have backstories, and I'm not going to give you any spoiler alerts, but you're going to see that Jesus knows them all very, very well, and he's going to show up in their lives at just the right time, just like he did with Mary. He knows our backstories, but he doesn't just know our backstories. Secondly, he knows our current circumstances. He knows exactly what we're going through right now. And the chosen, the writers, you know, said they use that creative license to talk about the backstory of Mary Magdalene. And uh, Mary Magdalene, there's actually not a whole lot written about her in Scripture. We'll look at one verse here in, in a moment. Uh, there's been some kind of controversy because there's other Marys in the Bible that don't have last names attached to them. There's also women that are just described as women, or in one case, the sinful woman. And so throughout church history, some people have attributed that to being Mary Magdalene, but it's not really conclusive. So whether you want to believe that part, you can tell even in the episode of The Chosen, they took a little bit of liberty to try to walk that balance. But what we do know about her is that she was demon-possessed and that she was healed uh, by Jesus. Because in, in Luke 8, we read this about her backstory. After this, Jesus traveled from town to town, village, uh, t- or t- from town to village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. With the 12 were with him, and so were some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, and uh, from whom seven demons had come out. Johanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So this is written by Luke, who was a doctor, and the doctor's taking note that some of these women that were following Jesus with the 12 disciples had been healed. And particularly this Mary had seven demons, had been released and freed. Now we don't know exactly how it happened. We don't have the story of when Jesus did this, but you see it portrayed and Spoiler alert, you're going to see in episode two that that moment that she had with Jesus there, she becomes completely different. So we don't know how it happened scripturally, but we know depicted through the story just how Jesus does it by approaching her that way. With one touch, he was able to do what at least in the, the, the chosen was portrayed that Nicodemus couldn't do. Nicodemus did everything he could to try to do it, but Jesus does it with just a word, with just a touch. And not only was she healed, she was then invited to be an active part of this ministry and providing for the disciples as they go on. And you're going to see that throughout the rest of this as you watch it. The point here is this, is that we know for sure 
that Mary was healed of possession. And then she became a follower of Jesus, and not only just a follower of Jesus, a contributor, contributor to Jesus and his movement, which shows me that Jesus doesn't only have compassion for our backstories, Jesus can redeem our current circumstances, whatever you're going through. Perhaps you're going through something right now, something that causes you to believe that God has abandoned you. Maybe you're caught up in some habitual sin that you believe that you can never be free from. Perhaps you think that you're permanently damaged in some way or beyond repair. No matter your current circumstances, Jesus can redeem you and change your life forever, just as he did with Mary's. One of the things also attributed to Jesus so often by uh, the gospel writers that are writing about what his life like is how he just welcomed sinners and broken people and how free that they felt to come to him because he was different from the other religious leaders that they had experienced. It says that Jesus often would draw near. So he would go to the, the lepers and the untouchables and he would touch them. He would go talk to a Samaritan woman at the well whom he shouldn't have been talking to by their standards. He would let the sinful woman come and wipe her tears and her hair and wash his feet. He would catch the woman that's caught in adultery and say to her, Who, who's condemning you? Now go live your life of sin, perfectly able to both not condemn someone but also not condone their behavior, perfectly, as John says, full of grace and truth. Sinful people love to come to Jesus because they knew that they could come to him with their brokenness and whatever their current circumstances were. So for whatever you're going through currently, whether you're stuck in some sort of cycle, Jesus can heal you. No matter how broken or unredeemable you think that you are, no matter what you think God thinks about you, Jesus can heal you. You need only to call out to him and draw near to him to receive his invitation to follow him. He knows not just your backstory, he knows your current circumstances and he can redeem them. In The Chosen, it was, it was Mary who and, and it finally gave up on the promise. You, you remember the scene, right? She'd been holding on to this verse, Isaiah 43, 1, that says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. Her father had taught her that verse. That's that first scene where the father's teaching her that verse to, to call and believe this promise of God. And she had held it all that long until she finally gets to her breaking point. And, you know, she tears it up, throws it off. But God, in his mercy, he finds a way to get a bird and then causes her to come back to the place where Jesus would meet her. You see, she gave up on God, but God didn't give up on her. God doesn't give up on us. He continues to pursue us. And there's a mystery, I think, to how God moves. As painful as it is sometimes, I think sometimes he allows our current circumstances to get to the point where we're at the end of ourselves, where we're on that cliff moment where we're ready to throw the scripture and throw the promise away. And in those places, God can grab our hearts. I've seen it. What sometimes feels like God's judgment is ultimately like the greatest form of God's mercy. When I think about this, I think about my dad who, uh, after years of battling alcoholism, uh, hit rock bottom when he finally got, got arrested. And when he tells a story to me, he describes that the, the thing that sticks out the most was the cold jail floor, just the cold concrete on the jail floor. And that was his literally come to Jesus moment. My brother and I recommended, hey, like you should get involved in this group called Celebrate Recovery. And they got involved in the group and he Gave his life to Jesus, and he followed the 12 steps, and now he's been sober for a dozen or more years, and now he's a coach of helping other people. That's the work that Jesus can do, and he has it, and sometimes it feels like judgment. A jail cell floor, uh, I mean, doesn't sound very fun, but that's where God can reach us. When I think about this, uh, the way that God reaches us uniquely, 
Uh, one of the things I think about is a friend of mine named Brandon. So back, I used to live back on 45th and Red River for six years during my single years. This is a new carpet. We are going to trip on this thing. This is bad. This is very, this is very bad. <laughs> I'm going to stand right here. It's going to keep, keep coming my way. Um, but when, when I lived on 45th Street, I had another campus minister, a friend of mine that lived on my street. And so we decided what we were going to do is we're just going to start a weekly prayer group where we're going to pray for our neighbors. And so we actually just went door to door to, to houses and we'd knock on doors and we'd say, hey, my name's Justin. Uh, my friend Kelly and I, we're Christians. We uh, have like a weekly prayer group where we pray for people on our street. We, we actually go to different churches. We're not trying to get you to do anything, go anywhere. We just want to know if there's any way we could pray for you. Really cool. Like we did this for years and we'd build up neat conversations and have opportunities to minister to people and get to know people. Well, there's one story that stands out above all the rest. Uh, doing our normal thing, went and knocked on a door. Guy answers the door. I'd, I'd, I'd met his roommates, but I'd never met him before. But he comes to the door, and I'm, I do my little spill, basically, blah, 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 blah. Do you have any prayer requests? He says, yeah. Could you pray that I can find God? I said, uh, yes, yeah, I can, I can pray. I, can, I will pray that. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? And he said, well, I got a test tomorrow, uh, so I really can't, I can't deal with it right now, but, but let's get lunch next week. So the next week we went and had lunch, and he told me the story of what happened that night. He had been uh, in love with a girl, uh, been dating for about a year, serious about her, had just bought an engagement ring, was ready to propose that next week. He was making his plans to propose to her. And that week, she broke up with him. Then, on top of that, his brother had just recently become a Christian. So for the last several months, he had been sharing the gospel with Brandon, but Brandon didn't want to do it because this relationship was more important to him than it was uh, to follow God. And so when she broke up with him that night, he drove out to Mansfield Dam and walked around the dam, came back home to his, his bed, uh, started crying, and he wept out, and he cried to God, God, if you're real, you need to prove it to me. And then there I was at his door. Told him that story. He told me his story, and he put his faith in Jesus. He started following Jesus with us, joined our prayer group, and then the next thing you know, he's going door to door with us to all these people's houses, faithfully walking with God. A few years later, he married a godly girl in our church. Now they have a great family. He's an elder at his church. God can redeem the worst, the best, best of situations, the worst of situations. That's what he does. Even in our MC this last week when we were having our discussions, um, it got emotional because some people were telling some stories about how they had felt like God had actually reached them. One person described actually feeling like that scene when Jesus touches Mary's face that, you know, I, I felt that. That's happened to me. Like Jesus can do that. He can redeem our current circumstances. Last thing that I would say, if you go back to Mary, one of the other places that she's actually mentioned in Scripture, we know that one was the Mary Magdalene. The other time you see Mary Magdalene is at the very end of the Gospels, when she's the one at the empty tomb of Jesus, showing that God can redeem a, redeem a life and use a life and make a testimony of it. And that's because the third point that I want to share is that Jesus doesn't just know your backstory or your current circumstances. He knows your future potential. He knows your future potential. One of the things that I love about Jesus is described by the authors of Scripture and as really is depicted in The Chosen is how he calls people that look like they shouldn't be called. <laughs> he gets a ragtag group of people, people like you see in this story of Mary and Andrew and Peter and Matthew, and he calls them to be his apprentices. He knows their backstory and their current circumstances, but he also knows their future and doesn't let those things of the past determine his faith and belief that they can become like him. They can be with him, become like him. They can do the things that he did. If we go back to the uh, John passage, we see the way he did this with, with Simon. For, verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. 
and he brought him to him. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon. There he is again. I, I know your name. Like, he hasn't even had a chance to introduce himself. He says, you're Simon. Not only that, you're Simon, son of John. Like, I know you, but you're going to be called something different. I see something different in you. I see you as going to be the rock. You're going to be the rock upon which I build my church. And I know if you do read Scripture or know much about Scripture, you know a little bit about Peter, that he was a kind of a natural leader and a natural failure at many things. He's the, the first to speak up. He's the first to get things wrong. Yet, Jesus looked at him and said, nope, you're Peter. You're going to be a rock. I see potential in you, Simon. We know from Scripture that was Peter, what Peter was really like, and I think it's going to be fun to see, no spoiler alerts, but how Jesus actually meets Peter in his time of, lead, of need as you continue. I think Chosen does a great job depicting his personality and his backstories and current, current uh, circumstances. But the beautiful parts are just the fact that God uses broken people and he sees them as people that he can change and use to do the things that he did. You think about Matthew. We don't know. This is, again, the extra biblical part of it. We know about Matthew that Matthew was a tax collector and the tax collectors were despised. And so the fact that Jesus would call a tax collector to be one of his followers, it's like, what? Like, this guy has no potential. But Jesus calls him. And we don't know for certain, but I love the way, if you've watched it, the way that he's portrayed. He's obviously got some sort of OCD or some sort of social uh, disorder. He's got something where he's probably like on the spectrum of the Asperger's syn syndrome, as, as you, you know, watch The Chosen. Maybe that's why he's so good at math. <laughs> Either way, we know for sure that he was socially despised because he was a tax collector. If that's another person that Jesus would call to follow him, demon-possessed Mary, uh, brash guy who gets a lot of things wrong, and Peter, a hated tax collector. That's because Jesus sees our future potential. So our trauma and our wounds from our backstories, what they can do is they can cause us to believe that God can't use us. Our current circumstances, maybe our personality type, maybe the gifts or the lack thereof that we think we have, they can cause us to think, well, God can't use me. He would certainly call others, but he wouldn't call me. And that's just not true. It's just not true. Jesus calls a bunch of ragtag people because he sees their future story as well. It's really common throughout Scripture for God to call someone to do something, and their first response is, I think you got the wrong person. Like, that happens all the time, right? It happens to Moses. Gideon does it. Isaiah does it. Other people say things like, nope, not me. You, you got the wrong person. But I love the way that it's described in Jeremiah when God calls Jeremiah. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1. I think it's so fitting to the fact that God knows our stories, and he knows us by name. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go everywhere I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Talk about God knowing our backstories. <laughs> I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I know your future. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, I'm too young, I'm too immature, I can't do that, I don't have the gifts. God says, no, I know you, I formed you, I have a future for you. God saw things that Jeremiah didn't himself, and Jesus repeatedly in the Gospels, and you'll see it in the Chosen, he, he sees things in people that they don't see in themselves, because it's to God's glory, it's to his joy and his glory to use sinful people like us. No matter our backstory, no matter our current circumstance, he sees our future potential. And he's told the disciples that he would use them in, in incredible ways. If you go back to Nathaniel's story, remember Nathaniel. Nathaniel's one that said, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I know you. And then how does Nathaniel respond? 
Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Oh, man. Nathanael, you're going to see so many greater things than that. Like you don't know the stuff that I have planned for you so much more than you could ask or imagine. He says, you're going to see some pretty neat things, Nathanael. And that's what Jesus has planned for us as well. He wants to use us. And if you think that you're unusable or unredeemable, it's just not true. That's what Jesus does. As we said the last three weeks or four weeks when we've done our vision series, we believe that Jesus calls us to be with him. He wants to help us become like him. And he wants to teach us to do the things that he did so that we can bring heaven to earth. Jesus knows your backstory. He knows your current circumstances and he has future potential for you. To quote Mary's favorite verse again, do not fear for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by, my, by name. You are mine. Guys, Jesus knows you. And he's called you by name. An application, I'd like to just suggest a few things. First and foremost, um, I hope this sermon would make you want to be with Jesus. Like that you would want to draw near to him, particularly to draw near to him, to find his compassion awaiting you and awaiting your backstory, whatever it is. He loves you, and he wants to spend time with you. And I hope that this and this series would cause you to say, you know what, I want to I be with this man. I want to be with Jesus. And to help you do that, I want to recommend two things. One I've already recommended, but one, watch The Chosen with us. I think that will help you want to be with Jesus, so keep watching it with us. And secondly, though I forgot to confirm that we have these, Jake, do we have the book, the Gentle and Lowly books? We forgot to bring them. It was a really busy morning. You don't know how bad it was this morning, actually. <laughs> Second thing I'm going to suggest that you do starting next week, next Sunday, is we have this really great book called Gentle and Lowly. You've heard people talk about it already uh, over the last few weeks. But we bought some for all of us to have, for everyone to have one for free. And it would be a really good companion piece to read alongside while you're watching The Chosen to read this other book that's just so good, speaking about the heart of Jesus. And so that would be a really fun way for you to actually be with Jesus is by reading this book about him. So we will have those for you next week. All right. Uh, second way by, by way of application is I hope that this sermon would inspire you to be like Jesus. Like here's the deal. We all have backstories, but that means every single person you come in contact with has a backstory. And you can be the one that acknowledges that and meets them where they are. You can be the one that touches them as Jesus touched Mary. God wants to use you in that way, and you can become like him to be that person for someone else. And third, by way of application, I just encourage you just to do what Jesus did. Let God use you to bring healing and redemption to your friend's life. Let's see the, the, future, the future potential in people and reach out to them and ask them to follow Jesus with us. I love what Philip said to Nathaniel, if you didn't catch it, it is the title of our sermon series. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip simply says, come and see. I would love it if during this eight-week series we had like a come and see mentality that we just think like, hey, come and see. Invite a friend to like watch The Chosen with you and watch and have coffee and talk with them about it. Hey, come and see. Come check this out. Or come hang out at my MC. Let, like we're going to watch this together. We're going to talk about it together. Come see on a Sunday morning. Like we're talking about this great series that people are watching. Come and see. Like how great would it be if we all just had a come and see mindset and heart set during these next eight weeks? I think God could do a lot in our midst. Let me pray for us and then we're going to close in our time of communion. God, we... I just pray that your spirit would be at work in, in our hearts right now, revealing the true nature of who Jesus is, filling us with your compassion that we would, that we would experience it. 
we pray that you would touch us like you touched Mary in the, in the chosen. And in one touch or with one speak of your voice that you would change our lives. Thank you that you know our backstory, that you can redeem our current circumstances, and you see our future potential. Let us not believe anything different. Let us receive you as you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.